Welcome to the NBA Deep Dives podcast. I am your host, Nick Agar-Johnson. It is Tuesday, which means it is Draft Deep Dives Day. So I am here today with hashtag basketball draft expert and my co-host, Tyler Metcalf. Tyler, how are you doing today? Uh, Nick, I'm doing great. It's basketball, or at least college basketball, finally slowing down. Uh, get my feet underneath me a little bit more, starting to get more scouting reports out, in-depth scouting reports out, and just focusing more on NBA. You know, just still got basketball to watch. So let's talk about those scouting breakdowns. And so today's episode, we are going to do a deep dive into our two top prospects in this upcoming draft, Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs. So you recently had a film breakdown piece go up on hashtag basketball.com about Cade Cunningham. So listeners, be sure to check that out. But I wanted to start out by sort of doing a bit of a deep dive into what you wrote in that article. So, you know, sort of more generally, what are your thoughts on Cade as a prospect and what did you see in that film deep dive that you did? The simplest way to put it is that he is hands down the best and most well-rounded prospect in this class. I, I understand people with different arguments between two, three, four, and five, and you know any spot after that. But people who are trying to make an argument for anyone other than Kate at one, um, it it just doesn't have a whole lot of backing. No one in this class understands the game as well as he does. No one manipulates their opponents as well as he does um a lot of people are touching on his scoring as as oh my god what an incredible ass or what an incredible tool and he'll be this awesome shooter in the nba and and he very well could be but that's not even his best trait um his playmaking is constantly getting slept on by the masses because he didn't put up big assist numbers because no one else on this team could shoot and he had no spacing which is why he turned the ball over, you know, more than you would really want to see. But that doesn't really matter because the way he sets up his teammates for open shots, the way he moves defenders with his eyes, the way he creates passing lanes with his strength and his size and his vision, it's it's really, really incredible for someone his age. And it's something that he'll be able to jump into the NBA from day one and make his teammates substantially better because he will be a threat to shoot he will be a threat to drive and use his strength and his size will make him a good interior finisher and the more he does that the more defenses will collapse on him and now he'll actually have nba level shooters and nba level athletes to kick out to and his assist numbers will skyrocket his teammates production will skyrocket i would be stunned if he's ever on a truly bad offense unless he somehow finds a situation in which he's surrounded by really bad shooters like he was at Oklahoma State. It's interesting that you bring up the surrounding talent at Oklahoma State in regards to his passing. And, you know, that's sort of, I think, my key takeaway with Cade as well is that his assist numbers don't come anywhere close to doing his passing vision justice. But The other area where I think it's really important to mention the sort of lower teammate quality that he had to deal with at Oklahoma State is in terms of his scoring. I mean, 
if you watch film of Cade, basically any time he's finishing around the rim, there are at minimum two guys on the opposing team, you know, right around him. And there are a lot of finishes. There was one I remember in particular in the game against Texas Tech where it was literally Cade surrounded by all five Texas Tech players, yep. and he still somehow managed to get the layup down. And, you know, when we talk about his size and strength, you know, he's 6'8", 220, but he's a primary initiator. And at the college level, you know, okay, he could get past some guys that he probably won't be able to at the NBA level. But I think really the thing to note with Cade is that his finishing numbers are going to look a lot better once he's in a properly spaced NBA offense, because, you know, he's still putting up 20 points a game, getting doubled on pretty much every possession where he's within 10 feet of the basket. Yeah, I I, he, I just can cannot wait for him to have even an inch of breathing space in the NBA because the he's just going to look so much better. And the people who are questioning, it's like, oh, well, he turned the ball over. Oh, he's not this super athlete. He's going to make him look foolish the same way Luca has. Not saying Kate and Luca are the same player, but they're that similar large primary initiator who's not an elite athlete. And we, we, we've seen the effect that Luca's had on this team. And g- given the, that extra driving lane, given you know that he's not going to have four guys collapsing on his every layup attempt or post up, and his teammates aren't going to be cutting into him while he's trying to post up a smaller guy. And it, it's going to be so much more fun and more enjoyable and just more efficient. So we've talked about his strengths, you know, his playmaking, his IQ, his size for the position. You did touch on the athleticism, and I do want to sort of bring that up because that is sort of the biggest quote-unquote weakness with his game. I think the concerns about it are overblown. And one of the main reasons I think the concerns about it are overblown is that Cade has gotten much better as a shooter overall this season, sort of across the board. His catch and shoots look really solid to the point where I think he's going to come into the NBA as an above average catch and shoot player, which I would not have said after his high school career ended at Montverde Academy. But, you know, the other thing with Cade's athleticism is he doesn't have the sort of elite burst that, you know, the most athletic guys in the NBA have. But you mentioned Luca, and I think the one area where the comparison between them is the most apt is Cade and Luca both are incredible at their age, but really just period, at switching speeds and decelerating and accelerating quickly. So maybe Cade doesn't have deer and fox level speed, but you know, at 18, 19, he's already so much better at, you know, switching between speeds and going from, you know, slow down hesitation dribbles bursting to the rim, you know, that area of his athleticism, I don't think is really talked about because that's not, you know, the flashy kind of athleticism, but his start stop is better than most NBA lead guides already. And when you combine that with his size, you know, you can't just put a six, three guy on him because Cade can post that guy up and, you can't just put a bigger guy on him because Cade might not be the fastest guy in the world, but he's definitely going to be faster than your average 6'10 center type. Too frequently, athleticism just gets boiled down to how high can this guy jump and how fast can he sprint? And there's so much more nuance that goes into being a quote-unquote great athlete. And I, I agree that 
Kate Cunningham is not the most explosive player in this draft and he never will be, but his ability to decelerate his ability to shift angles, to fend defenders off. And if he gets a defender on his hip, that defense, that defender's not recovering to get back in front of him. His footwork, his lateral agility, it's all really impressive. And he has this awesome understanding of how to use his body to manipulate the defender's positioning to make sure that the defender has no chance of of recovering or making a play if he gives Cade an inch of space. Because coming off a pick and roll, that defender goes over, Cade gets him on his back. It's it's now five on four because that defender has been completely eliminated from the play. And then Cade will use awesome change of pace dribbling to either hesitate to get the drop the drop defender to bite and then Kate goes past him or pull up for a floater or shot fake get the defender behind him to follow him it's all these little things of how he has this incredible understanding of his body his positioning the defender's positioning and how he can manipulate every inch of that floor space to his full advantage now, the area where his lack of elite athleticism troubles me a lot more is on the defensive end. And Synergy graded him out as exactly an average defender at the college level, literally 50th percentile. I think that Kate has the size and the IQ to eventually be somewhere around average on the defensive end. I mean, ultimately, you know, 6'8", 220. I think he's too big for the primary initiator position to ever be as atrocious as, say, a Trey Young on that end of the floor. But, you know, the elite athleticism does kind of put a cap on his defensive ceiling in a way that I don't think it does as much for his offensive ceiling. And, you know, if he does sort of stay a below average defender for a while— that will be a bit difficult, but, you know, he's solid in the passing lanes and, you know, that's sort of where the IQ comes in more, but I do worry sort of in a playoff setting that a team might be able to take advantage of Cade if they have the right guys, which, you know, that's sort of, I think his ceiling on the defensive end because of that is a lot lower than his ceiling on the offensive end. I I think his defensive... I don't know, his defensive impact generally gets overblown. Um, For the most part, I actually kind of enjoyed what I saw from him defensively, especially given his offensive workload. Um, when When you watch Oklahoma State, they have these really weird defensive concepts where it's like heavy switch and scramble and run guys off the line, um, which doesn't really make anyone look good defensively. And they had a lot of these weird zones that they were really inconsistent at running. So in the NBA, I I think, I I think his instincts are phenomenal. I think he has really good footwork. You you touched on the size, which obviously makes him a multi-positional defender. Um, He's not going to be making all NBA defensive teams, but I I definitely don't think he's going to be a negative on the defensive end. And given his size, you, you know, if you get these on nights when you're facing teams with two awesome, quick, athletic scoring guards, you know, okay, now we're going to play Kate at the three or the four because he has the strength to defend in the post. And just that, that combination of size, 
and strength really makes him uh, a plus defensively in my mind. I think the interesting part about Cade's sort of defensive look at the NBA level is, you know, because of that size, you can put so many different kinds of players around him. And we've seen that, you know, again, going back to the well with a Luka comparison, but, you know, you can put two Jalen Brunson 6'2 point guard types around Luka and it'll work, you know, and Brunson's not that much of a shooter, but he's exceptional at scoring at the rim. And part of that is just because, you know, a lot of the defensive attention is going to the guy who's half a foot taller, but is still the primary initiator of the offense. And you know, that's something that Cade's size allows you to do such that, you know, if he does struggle on the defensive end more than you think, so, you know, I think he'll probably struggle certainly the first two years in the league. But the good news on that front is you can move him around to the least threatening guy until he figures it out enough on the defensive end to be a positive contributor. And I think you're higher on his defensive ceiling than I am, but Ultimately, I think with him, it's just that the floor for him is not like one of the 10 worst defenders in the NBA. And, you know, it is for some smaller point guards. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I don't expect him to be this awesome defender early in his career because so few young guys are. Um, But I, I, I... even if he's not a great on-ball defender, I expect him to be a, a really solid team defender. Just the way the way he's able to read and recognize rotations, uh, jump pa- passing lanes when needed. But he doesn't really gamble a whole lot. It's more so just getting in the right position and either you know forcing a pass out of the short roll or you know disrupting that guy's layup attempt or you know something along those lines. Where he he never feels really that drastically out of position. Um, that they, they're Early on, there absolutely will be some on-ball blunders just because he it, he doesn't have that explosiveness. But I think in time, um, I, I think a lot of that will get ironed out as he you know gets thrown into the fire. So we've touched on this sort of on a number of different other points, but sort of I wanted to go through some more specifics about the ups and downs of him playing at Oklahoma State and. He was the alpha and the omega for that team, which comes with some negatives, but, you know, also comes with some positives. And we've talked a lot about the negatives, you know, mostly in terms of him not getting to showcase his passing talent all that much and him getting absolutely swarmed every time he tried to take the ball to the basket. But on the other hand, you know, something that I saw from Cade at Oklahoma State this year that I think was probably positively influenced by the teammates around him is... He got a lot of chances to work on his pull-up game and work on his step-back game. And, you know, long-range shooting was probably the biggest concern for him coming into Oklahoma State. And he still doesn't really have range sort of that far beyond the NBA three-point line. You know, he's not going to be Steph Curry pulling up for 30-footers anytime soon, maybe ever. But, you know, he did get to show a lot of improvement in his pull-up jumper game. And, you know, that mid-range pull-up jumper for him, if he can't get all the way to the rim against NBA athletes, is going to be a huge plus for him. And I just don't think he would have had to take as many of those kinds of shots if he was, say, at Gonzaga in the position of Jalen Suggs, who we're going to talk about next. And if he was at Gonzaga, his numbers would have been just absurd. 12 um, assists a game. I'm not even <laughs> joking that much. I'm only joking yeah. a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. But I, to go back to his shooting, ex, the expectations with the shooting, um, I that, that definitely was my biggest concern coming into the season. Uh, he kind of quelled almost all of those concerns. There's still a little bit of inconsistency, but I think a lot of that had to do with shot selection and him having to force things when his teammates couldn't get anything going. But I shooting off the catch, he was in the 90th percentile. Shooting off the dribble, he was in the 65th percentile, um, which is, you know, per synergy, very good. But I, I think that's a little lower because of that shot selection. And on his three-point jump shots, he was in the 70, 79th percentile. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be this mid-40% three-point shooter in the NBA, like he, or like, I think he was right around 40, 41% in college. I, I think that that'll be higher than where his career mark is, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he'll at least be in the mid to high thirties, which is excellent. Um, especially for someone who will have the ball as much as he does and have the usage and the volume that he, he will have. So the fact that he was able to really show that off, at Oklahoma state, I, I think was a, a massive plus, like, like you said, um, a, a, another thing that I think is really important is that he was able to show us kind of what type of teammate he was. I know this sounds tacky and old, old fashioned, but he didn't have that one and done freshman season. Like a lot of, you know, surefire number one picks have where they go to a crappy program and just kind of mail it in. Uh, he fought every minute of every game. He was super invested in his teammates. He was always on the sidelines cheering them on. If he was in foul trouble, he was the first off the bench during a timeout. Um, he, he looked like the real deal. He looked like a real leader. He looked like a kid who absolutely loved being out there with his guys. And, you know, when, when you're taking a franchise player, especially at number one, I, I think stuff like that is really important in the long run. So we're going to cross-compare Cade and Jalen, of course, before the end of the podcast. But before we sort of get to the end of the Cade-specific section, first of all, what's your best guess at his ceiling slash floor? And I'll, I'm will i happy to go first here. I think his ceiling is pretty clearly as a Hall of Fame-level player. I don't think he's ever going to win an MVP just because I think that Luca and Zion are ahead of him in that regard and not that much older than him. But I would be shocked if Cade never makes at least an All-NBA second team. So, you know, top 10-ish in the league. The floor for him, in my mind, is like a fourth starter for a good team. I mean, especially with the improvements that we've seen from him in terms of his catch-and-shoot game and his preternatural passing ability i find it incredibly hard to believe that he's not going to be at least a starter barring like serious injury but what are your thoughts on Cade in terms of ceiling floor and then how do you sort of view him as a prospect overall especially sort of in comparison to the top guys in the last three four years or so so for ceiling and people need to stop throwing around this term generational prospect because he he's not that and we can't have one of those every single year so enough i luca's in his what third year luca was the generational prospect okay so we we still got a few more years to go for the next one um but that doesn't 
but I, I still have extremely high expectations for Cade. I would expect his ceiling is a perennial all-star. And, you know, like you said, that, that probably puts him in the Hall of Fame. Um, as a floor, I, I think it'd be, you know, someone who makes an all-NBA team once uh, and maybe has like a career like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or Damian Lillard where, you know, that they're all – obviously incredible talents but they've struggled to put that those final pieces around to make them a real winning team in the long run um no not not trying to compare the Timberwolves and Blazers directly because they've had a very different last eight years um but eight but 10 20 30 40 I've however okay settle down Kings fan um (laughs) fine (laughs) but you you get what i mean yeah definitely and you know it's interesting because there is the generational prospect thing yet i think we might have gotten two of them in back-to-back drafts in luca and zion but i think the flip side of that is the point that you bring up which is i don't think kate is at the same level as those two guys which you know means that okay you know maybe he's gonna be more all NBA second teams than all NBA first teams and more fifth place MVP finishes than actual MVP awards. But if I'm just looking at last year's draft, I would have taken Cade over every single one of the top prospects in last year's draft. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. And granted LaMelo has looked a lot better this season than I thought he would just because his jump shot has looked a lot better than I thought it would. But I mean, even with that knowledge, like if I could draft LaMelo or Cade number one overall in this draft, knowing what we've seen from LaMelo in his rookie season, I think I'd probably still go Cade. And that's telling given how impressive LaMelo has been in his rookie season. I I completely agree. I I still think Cade is, or I I still think he will be the best player out of these last two drafts. Um, You know, I, I was very wrong on Lamelo. um he he's shown to be a completely different player than he did in australia um and he's been incredible so this isn't taking away anything he's done um i i just think cade is the potential to be that special all right well let's move on to the player that we both have at number two on our board Jalen Suggs. And obviously Jalen presented himself to a national audience with Gonzaga's push to the men's national championship game. The thing with Suggs that really jumps out at a viewer right away is we're talking about Cade and you're saying he's not really an elite athlete. Jalen Suggs is an elite, elite athlete. And it's not just that he's an elite athlete, but that it's very functional athleticism. You know, it's not just, oh, great, he can jump. You know, he's got a 45-inch vertical, but he can't get up that high unless you give him, like, a second to load up and he can jump up. No, Jalen Suggs, every single time he touches the ball, it's like, oh, wow, he's fast and he's got crazy burst. And that's, I think, the maybe the only area, honestly, in which Suggs has an advantage over Cade Cunningham. But... I don't say that as a knock against Suggs. That's more of just, you know, an announcement of Cade as it is. But Suggs, his offhand is nowhere near as strong as Cade's, and he just doesn't have the size. You know, he's 6'4", 190, which is very different from 6'8", 220, especially as a primary ball handler. He also has a much lower release on his jumper than Cade, and it's looked solid. I don't think, you know... 
I'm not as worried about his shot, certainly as you are, at least certainly as you have been in our previous conversations about Suggs, but he's got a relatively low release and mediocre percentages from deep, and that low release is going to be trouble in terms of shooting off the dribble, but the other thing that stands out with Suggs is he is an incredible passer, and he has a lot of the flashy kind of passes in his game as well, which, you know, look really impressive on highlight reels, whereas Cade is sort of more of an efficient pick-the-right-pass-every-play kind of passer, but... Man, Jalen Suggs is just so much fun to watch. And the other thing with Suggs is his percentages weren't as good as Cade's, but he at least took a lot more sort of deep threes, like, you know, a couple feet past the NBA line kind of threes. And that's going to be really crucial for him as he sort of develops his game. I am definitely more worried about his shot than you are. Um, and that and that's more so in the short term than long term. I, I think he'll eventually be, you know... At- at least a league average shooter. Um, and I, I don't think it'll ever be this glaring flaw of his, but right now I don't really trust it. Um, I, I think it was in like the final two months um, of the season, he shot like 23% from three, which isn't what you want. Uh, shooting off the catch, he was in the 39th percentile. Now, and sh- shooting off the dribble, he was in the 93rd percentile, but I-, I think a lot of those are where he, you know, was spotting up to that one rhythm dribble and to get into a shot. Um, but still, that 93rd percentile is incredible. But he's just fun. He emotes he- joy and passion on the court, and and it's it's hard not to root for the guy when you watch him and he's just full throttle the entire time he's on the floor and and that he had probably two or the two most noteworthy plays in the NCAA tournament with that with obviously the buzzer beater and then the block from behind which then spurred into that three quarters court bounce pass through traffic off of one hand which was incredible and it also wasn't the first time he did that this year which is just wild and he he i I don't know if you know this but he played quarterback in high school and could have played in at ohio state yeah i only heard that seven thousand times on various (laughs) broadcasts throughout the year but his passing vision is legitimate and he's really accurate my even my bigger concern than his shooting, because I think eventually a shot will get there. My bigger concern is that he needs to slow the game down where he, his body's moving at a thousand miles an hour. And right now his mind seems to be doing the same thing at times. Whereas, you know, Cade, it's very slow. The game comes to him. He manipulates the game. He controls the game. I don't think Jalen has yet to really reach that, you know, game in and game out. It's been really helpful for me in terms of thinking about Suggs to compare him to John Morant. Mm -hmm. And I think they have a ton of similarities in their game. And I think their two biggest weaknesses are also the same in that Jaw, I think, is an even worse shooter than Jalen Suggs. Jaw's at 27% this season from three, and I think that's actually an uptick from a few weeks ago. And, you know, Jaw is the same sort of thing as well. He's always playing at, like, 110 miles an hour, and 
it's honestly scary sometimes when you see him go up for absolutely ludicrous dunks and then land on one leg and it's like, oh no, oh no, yeah. oh no. And yeah. Suggs, I don't think, has the same level of oh no. Also, I think part of that is just because he's, I think, already got a sturdier body than John Morant. I mean, he's yeah. built like a football player. You know, you bring up the football player thing that came up on every broadcast, but you know, that's, I think, one of the biggest differences between him and Jai is that Jai is skinny and can get pushed around a bit. And, you know, Jai, I think, has a much better passing package and passing vision overall. But I think there are a lot of similarities with them. And I think it's instructive to sort of look at those similarities. And maybe that's why I'm higher on his shooting touch than you are, just because I'm thinking about him so much in the context of John Morant. And that's not always a healthy way to look at draft comparisons. But for the two of them, their games are so similar that I think it's really sort of helped me get a handle on, you know, both the upsides and the downsides for Suggs. And and Ja is one of the guys I have as, you know, a shades of comp and upcoming draft guide. Keep your eyes out. Um, but I, I, I like that. I, I like that type of player to it because the, the on-court play style is pretty similar. And then the intangibles, I think, also carry over where, I, I think Suggs does have this toughness and this leadership that, you know, when you're at the top of the draft, you're a crappy franchise and you need guys who have that mentality of, you know, I'm just going to win. I'm going to rip your head off and we're going to win this game. Uh, I think that's really important. And I, I, so I, I know I, I said that I was concerned about him being able to slow the game down, but that's, that's something that comes with more, experience more repetitions more coaching all that stuff so i fully expect him to get there because he he routinely showed off his basketball like he was through the roof with his passing vision and general decision making and you know defense it it's it's all there um and once he just mentally can tone it down or you know downshift a gear or two, I, I think it could be re- a really, really, really special player. And that's something that point guards tend to not figure out in their first few years in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, having watched Deer and Fox very closely for the last few years, the difference between him, even as a rookie versus a sophomore, in terms of his willingness to say, hey, maybe I'm the fastest player in the NBA, but I don't have to go full speed 100% of the time on every single possession. You know, that's something that point guard prospects tend to learn in their first couple of years in the NBA, which is, on the flip side, also, I think something that's very impressive about Cade that doesn't really get talked about enough is that he's already got that element in his game, and maybe he doesn't have the same top gear as Jalen Suggs, but his ability to shift from, you know, gears two to five is better than almost any young prospect I can think of in the last five years or so. And and it makes sense that it takes you know, the, these young uber athletic point guards a little longer to adjust to that because at every stage of the game throughout their life, they've always been the fastest. They've always been the most athletic and that's always been their go-to to just, all right, this is how I'm going to get an easy basket. And, you know, once they step four in the NBA, it's like, oh crap, all of these guys are just as fast, can jump just as high, are bigger than you know everyone I've always played against so they they have to learn to rely on skills not that's not just their athleticism and develop dribble counters and eye manipulation and all those 
ancillary things and then incorporate back in their athleticism that will give them the edge. So it always takes them a little longer than, you know, wings to really hit that full potential. But if, if you can get a guard, a super athletic guard early in the draft and build around him and, once he reaches that potential, I, I think that's one of the most valuable ways to really build the, like a playoff contender. And it's ironic because, you know, when we're talking about the benefits of Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham's college situations on their game, it's the absolute inverse of their high school experiences when Cade got to play at Montverde Academy with a few guys who were going to get drafted in this upcoming yeah. NBA draft. You know, I think that plays a huge part in why he's so much better at, you know, shifting speeds than say someone like Suggs. And part of that is because Cade just doesn't have the same ridiculous top gear that Suggs does. But part of that also is that, you know, Cade had to adjust to playing with guys who were better athletes than him in high school. Whereas Suggs played on one of the best college teams of all time this year and still was clearly the greatest athletic specimen in his Gonzaga rotation. Yeah, it's two very different paths to essentially the same goal, but it's interesting, and I, I and at least I, I think it's fascinating to see how they both really play into what they're best at. So before we sort of get into a more direct comparison between the two, I'm going to ask the same questions about Jalen Suggs as I did at the end of the Cade section. So first of all, best guess at ceiling slash floor. And second, how we view him as a prospect overall. So starting with ceiling floor, I think his ceiling is around the same place as Cade's in my mind, where he's a multiple-time All-NBA guy, Hall of Fame player. I would be surprised if Suggs never makes an All-NBA team, but I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Maybe he'll have like a top five finish or two in his career. The floor, however, with Suggs is a lot lower than Cade's in my mind, because if he doesn't improve his decision-making and his shot is closer to where you think it is than to where I think it is, I think it's possible that he could be seen as a bit of a bust. Now, to be clear... I don't think he's going to be like Anthony Bennett style falling out of the NBA. I would be shocked if Jalen Suggs does not have a decade-long NBA career barring injury, but I think there's a much higher chance that Suggs ends up being a third guard spark plug off the bench type than Cade. I just don't see bench rotation player in Cade's future at all. Whereas with Suggs, if the shot doesn't translate and he doesn't get better at playing between speeds, I think he might end up just being sort of a change of pace guard, which would be a disappointment with the second overall pick. So I I would be surprised if he didn't make at least one all-star game, you know, maybe two or three. Uh, I I don't think he'll be as perennial as, you know, Zion or Luca or Cade um, or or some of these other young guys in the league because there are only so many spots. Um, Worst case scenario, I think he's a fringe starter on a good team. Um, I I, I don't ever really see him falling out of a rotation. I think he's too athletic, too good of a defender, too good of a passer, uh, just too, too, he's just too good, I think, to really ever fully fall 
out of a rotation or out of a starting lineup completely. But if that shot never comes along and he's never able to really mentally slow the game down, um, then I think like a really good fringe fifth or sixth man, on, you know, on a solid team. So how do you view him as a prospect sort of in a more general sense in, you know, a wider context than this draft? Because going back to, you know, the conversation we had about Cade, I would have taken Cade over Lamelo and everyone else in that draft, no questions asked. I think I would have had to debate if Lamelo was coming out this year and had his 2019 year in the NBL this year you know, and we were looking at him from that context, I think I would have to think about it in terms of Suggs over LaMelo, but I would take Suggs above Anthony Edwards and I wouldn't really think about it all that much just because Suggs, I think, has a much higher potential as a lead guy than Anthony Edwards does. I think Edwards might have better scoring potential, but I think Jalen Suggs' overall game is just better than Edwards's. So I would have last year's draft as probably one Lamelo to Jalen three Anthony Edwards if you know all those guys were in the same draft whereas with Cade I think he's pretty clearly the number one guy among all those guys and if if we're going off of purely just their tape entering the draft I I would take Jalen well over both both of those guys um I I I was a lot more down on Lamelo I I think he had some of the worst tape at Illawarra um that you could possibly have and since then he's been a completely different player and I think that's fine to be both things um I I saw the flashes I was more worried about the lack of defense defensive effort that was just non-existent I thought his shot selection was gonna be awful none of that has transferred and he's really accepted coaching so if we're doing revisionist history I'd take LaMelo over Jalen, um, I would probably take Jalen just a little bit ahead of Edwards. Um, and the selling point there would be just because of Jalen's defense, because I, I think Anthony Edwards has been unfairly criticized this season because he's been pretty, pretty awesome uh, these last couple months. All right. So we've talked about this a lot at points, but before we wrap up, Let's sort of do a more direct side-by-side of Cade versus Jalen in particular. In terms of strengths and weaknesses, Jalen has the edge as an athlete, obviously. I think he might have the edge, in my mind, as a defensive prospect. I think certainly his defensive ceiling is a lot higher than Cade's, but I think the reason that we both have Cade as the pretty clear number one in this class is... When you stack up pretty much anything else on their two resumes, Cade has the edge, in my mind anyway. Yeah, I, I think Cade just has has a much higher... I I, I don't know. I'm gonna, it's going to sound like a massive insult to Jalen, and I don't mean it to be, but I feel like Cade has a better understanding of the game with the way he's able to manipulate defenses and um, really control the ball, really control the offense from you know, as the primary initiator, as an off-ball scorer from the post, from driving, cutting, he can do all of it at a really high level. And I, I, I think that that cerebral aspect really, really pushes him over the top of, you know, compared to the other guys towards the top of this draft class. 
I will say the one other thing that I think Suggs really has going for him that Cade doesn't have as much. Jalen Suggs' numbers on runners and floaters in the lane were absolutely ridiculous, 97 percentile. And that in-between game, you know, especially since he's 6'4 as opposed to 6'8, you know, that ability to score over taller guys in the lane, you know, you combine that runner-floater package with Suggs' athleticism, and I think that might be the one other area where I would consider him as slightly ahead of Cade, but... The flip side of that, of course, is that you don't have to make as difficult of shots when you have four inches over the guy in comparison. Right, and and you can be really good at the floater, but it's still not a shot that you really want to rely on as I, drop coverage almost encourages players to take that. But it, it it is really encouraging for Suggs to have that much success with the floater because it it does show that he, he, he can have that touch on his shots. Um, He just has to get more comfortable expanding that all the way out to three, because some, some of his misses from three have been painfully bad. All right. So before we wrap up here, uh, we've touched on this sort of throughout in vague terms, but how do you think these two guys stack up against the top guard prospects from the last five years? Okay, so when did Luka get drafted? What year is he? He he falls into this, right? I, I should probably 2018. know this, yeah. 2018. Yeah. No, I'm never going to forget when Luka was drafted, believe me. <laughs> That's fair. So so Luka is the, the, the top of the top. He's the cream of the crop. And Cade is a tier below that. Um, probably I, I would still have him a step ahead of LaMelo. And I, you know, that's me having that high of expectations for Cade because Lamelo has been really, really impressive. I, I just, I think the scoring that Cade has um, at, ekes out over Lamelo, even though Lamelo's shot has been much better. Uh, Lamelo is a much flashier passer, but I think in the overall production of their playmaking, I think it's going to be pretty much similar and then i i like Cade much 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 more as a defender so five years would be going back to the 2017 draft so luca in the 2018 draft and then really the only relevant guy from the 2017 draft for these purposes is De'Aaron fox because sadly markel fultz had all of his issues and lonzo ball i don't think quite reached the level of the guys that we're talking about now if we're talking about the last five years, I think I would have to say Luca, then Cade, then De'Aaron, then Jalen Suggs, then John Morant, with Trey Young battling for sixth place behind John Morant. And, you know, that's a pretty impressive group to be lined up against, but. Cade, I think in particular, has demonstrated, you know, really over the last three or four years that he's been pretty unanimously at the top of this class. I think that Cade would be ahead of everyone except for Luca for me, whereas Suggs, I would probably take LaMelo or De'Aaron Fox over him, but I'm not sure I would take anyone else. Yeah, that that sounds about right to me. I I, I think I'd still take Ja over Jalen just because you know, a, a little bit more of the proven versus the unknown. Um, totally fair. But I, I, w- I wouldn't 
you know, say you're wrong for leaning Jalen uh, anyways. Um, but yeah, and it, it's, it's a pretty impressive crop and, you know, that just kind of shows the expectations that these guys have coming into the league. And, you know, I, I don't think they're the type of guys to kind of buckle under that pressure either, given, you know, their what, what they've shown us based on their leadership and production either. All right. Anything else you want to talk about here before we wrap things up? Uh, I wrote a few thousand words on Kate Cunningham over at hashtag basketball. Go read that. It's good. I yes, think. Go read that. I, I think it's good. I think it's good too. And I didn't oh, write it. So, thanks, you know, um, also version two of the draft guide should be coming in the next week or two. Uh, in the past, we've just done top 60. This year, I bumped it out to top 75. So we got strengths, weaknesses, stats, shades of. They're not direct comps, people. So if you read it and you think I'm an idiot for saying this player has shades of this player, it's shades of. It's not a one-for-one. One. So settle down. And summaries, uh, so top 75, they'll be out shortly. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, then I'll... Uh, other words over at Canis Hoopus for Timberwolves specific stuff. All right. Well, definitely check all of that out. He is Tyler Metcalf. You can find his work on hashtag basketball and Canis Hoopus, and you can find him on Twitter at T-M-E-T-C-A-L-F-1-1. You can find my written work on hashtag basketball and Nets Republic. And you can also find me on Twitter at N-B-A-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Tyler mentioned the top 75, so we will definitely be discussing that on a podcast in the future. In addition to that, we will be doing a breakdown slash comparison of the rest of the top five sometime soon, probably for next week's episode. So be on the lookout for that as well. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review on whatever podcast player you might be using. And if you have any feedback, either feel free to reach out to me via email, nickaj.nba at gmail.com, or feel free to reach out to me via Twitter as well. And as always, thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 